Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. I speak today to Greg Andrews, who is the CEO of Search Minerals. They're a rare earth company with assets in Labrador, Canada. They've spent 20 million bucks to date, have been 10 years in the making with a market cap of only 9 million. We asked Greg what's gone wrong and what he's going to do about it. Anyway, enjoy the podcast. Hello, Greg. How are you, sir? I'm very good. Thank you, Matthew. Well, lovely to have you uh, on the show. You're going to explain to us all about rare earths, which is something that not a lot of people know much about. So I appreciate that. But first of all, why don't you kick off with a one minute summary on your business and we'll pick it up from there. Sure. We're a TSX listed company. We've been in the rare earth space since 2010. We entered this space along with probably five or six other 600 other companies that were pursuing the rare earth game. Um, but out of that, uh, we were able to raise money when we really didn't have much. And now we have a district in southeast Labrador, Canada, that's 70 kilometers long by eight kilometers wide. On that district, over the time, we've now have two 43101 resources that we own 100 percent. Uh, along with over 20 other prospects along that belt that we'll continue to develop. Secondly, we have uh, in the rare earth space, you need to be able to, you may have the resource, you need to be able to separate it and make it into a sellable product. Um, we have uh, created that with two pilot plants. And with that, we have a proprietary direct extraction leach technology that we use on our material only. So with those two key elements that we feel that we've tackled, we're ready to, we want to be a low cost, capital cost, operating cost producer of mixed rare earth uh, concentrate and further oxides uh, to support a uh, rare earth supply chain in North America or Europe. Great summary, thanks for that. So let's kick off with the, fir the first point. Okay, so I always say to investors you know, or subscribers, you know, you've got to understand the thesis behind the in this case, commodity that you're thinking of investing into. So can we just try or could you help us understand the macro picture, the rare earths scene, as it were, because most people associate it with China. You're not in China. Very few people, very few of the big producers are. So how does a small rare earth company outside of China survive? Where is it going to position itself? So what's it going to do? So when it kick off with the first question, which is, um, you know, what's happening in the rare earth space at the moment? Yeah, so it, there's been some, uh, you know, certain development with uh, looking to secure uh, rare earth supply chains outside of China, China dominates the space, which is, um, which is fine. Um, but it but it's looking at the other uh, North American and European rare earth supply chains to ensure that they have product um, and within that macro world, when we entered the rare earth space back in 2010, we didn't have the electrification of vehicles as our main driver. It was more, you know, we were we we were competing with high prices of rare earths. That was really what driving it. With uh, us saying that the computers and cell phones will will be the drivers. That that's changed um, slowly um, as the as you know the world is changing into electric vehicles. So that's that's the the push that we believe that we've we've survived the the uh, we've continued to work in the rare earth space, waiting for the EV market to catch up, and we believe that we are, uh, you know, in that upward trending market where we are positioned with our company now. 
Okay, so again, I do, I do want to get into the, the company, the assets, and, and what you're doing, but just a little bit more on, in terms of the space. So there's a huge dependency on the EV revolution, but there's there's other sectors too, um, you know, security space, industry, etc. I mean, how how do you what do you know about those? How are you positioning yourselves for those that yes. space as well? Because the EV revolution is coming, but it's taking a little bit longer than everyone. And, had anticipated yeah and and the rare supply chain is very complex um you know from from where we enter the supply chain uh we'll create an oxide which which would get sold to a metal maker who would take that metal and move to sell that to an alloy maker that alloy maker would sell it to the magnet maker and the o, the motor maker would then sell it to the oem so it's very complex all along that all, all along that channel um, so we we want to make sure that we are able to compete on price. That that is that is key. But the the what's happening in the macro world is a lot of collaboration with governments, U.S. and Canada collaborating, which is 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 good. Um, Australia is collaborating. Europe is uh, collaborating. So there's a lot of d- demand uh, with collaboration of trying to understand where is the source of rare earths going to be to support. Uh, this supply chain that people are talking about in North America, Europe, and Australia. You've got an asset in Labrador, Canada, which is, you know, I guess you'll tell us a little bit about the asset and the scale opportunity. But what are the things that you, as a management team, are doing to insert yourself into that supply chain or get noticed by that supply chain to enable you to, you know, be able to sell or, quite frankly, work out, you oh, okay. know, do you process this yourself? I mean, how far up that chain do you try and work? And where do you think the value is? Well, the value for us is, so we will produce individual uh, rare earth oxides, that, so neodymium oxide and praseodymium oxide. We will sell those to a metal maker. That's where we exit the supply chain. Got it. So you know, you know where you're at, and, and there's no desire to move further up that food chain because I presume the kind of CapEx restrictions you know, pre- you know, prevent you thinking that way today. Well, it's a nine million dollar market company. I guess you're focused yeah, on that's right. br- br- the bread and butter bit first. Okay, okay. So you, you know, you know where you sit in that supply chain. So just just allow us to have a bit more of a conversation around that. Can you get into your resource? Tell us a little bit about that because I think we we're talking about Foxtrot and Deep Fox as the two forty three one hundred one uh, projects, right? Yeah. So so what we're blessed with with our where we are with our resources. Number one we have a great infrastructure already in place. Mm -hmm. Our two resources in our district are 13 kilometers away from each other. We operate in a town called St. Louis, Labrador. There's a Trans-Labrador Highway that runs through our property. So that infrastructure is there. There's power there, which would always obviously have to be updated. There's a deep sea port so that we can can bring things in and, and build and whatnot. And so, uh, there's three local communities, all within you know an hour's drive. So there's can be a, a workforce there. So we're blessed in that sense of logistics for mm-hmm. um, for the resource number one. Number two, um, we operated our our first deposit resource was Foxtrot, which is uh, has a PEA on it. It's a 14 year life mine, eight open pits, six underground. Um, it, it gave decent NPV, NPV values, but um, we, we had another d- property called the Deep Fox, which was more compelling because of the, I'll say, the surface expression, and I can get into that a little bit. 
but it also has higher grades. And we wanted to show the market that we actually did have a district that contained two resources so that we can optimize um, material to, to feed most likely a central processing facility within the close proximity of those two deposits. Right, okay, you mentioned earlier on, you, this started, in fact, one of your presentation says 2009, and you mentioned just 2010 when you kind of kick this off. So that's 10 years, 10 years ago, right? So help me understand how a company starts up and what it's got to get through to you know get anywhere near production, right? So you're, you're 10 years in the making so far. So what's happened during those 10 years? You started exploring, no doubt. So do you want to talk, talk me through that? Sure. So we, we started exploring. We in Back in 2010, uh, there was quite easy, easy money access. Uh, we were able to raise $10 million wow. um, when we really didn't have anything other than some claims. But out of that $10 million, we were able to create this district. And, and throughout that, we've been able, and, and out of that, we, over the, you know, we drilled 18,000 meters to develop that Foxtrot deposit. Um, which cost probably about $6 million to do. Mm-hmm. But we're lucky to find that resource with that money's being spent. Um, throughout that time and drill program, the rare earth prices dropped and access to capital started to uh, close down. Um, however, we couldn't walk away because we had such a great resource. Um, in that time, we continued to work on our district. We have a great team with Dr. Andy Miller, who's been with us since day one. Mm -hmm. He's walked every kilometer on this district and he continued to develop it. And that's where the prospect of Deep Fox came in. And and how we sort of define our resources and how we value them or look at them is is Foxtrot is our base case, which has we, we are we're blessed with our deposit being on surface. So we do an extensive channel sample, which channel sampling, which which we can outline sort of the surface expression. And then our drilling program always tries to validate that what we see on surface is what we see down below. That was the theory at Foxtrot. So um, with Foxtrot surface dimension, 400 meters by 10 meters. The deep Fox, which made it so compelling was on surface expression with our extensive channel sample program was 400 meters by 30 meters. So quite an, quite an improvement in sort of mine design and potential resource. But of course, we needed to drill that to, to show that we did have the model of what we see on surface is what we see down below. And that's exactly what our drill program did that we completed in 2018. Um, so from that, we what we were making sure that we defined is that 30 meter width. That was very important to, uh, to ensure that what we saw on surface was down below. So with a very tight budget and a drill program, we spent a million dollars down to the 100 meter interval mm-hmm. and received a significant enough um, balance to call a resource. Um, it's not enough to show the big economic picture that we believe it is. So we'll continue a drill program, which will be very which will continue this year to validate it so that we can update our PEA. Okay. A few things you said there. I just want, I just want to understand these because I think it's important for people to understand. Okay, so you've raised 10 million bucks way back in the day. Have you raised any money since 2010? Yeah, probably another 10 million. Right. So throughout the uh, throughout the time, so we've we've you know probably around 20 million ish dollars. Around, around 20 million bucks. Uh, which how much of that is left? How much cash are you sitting on today? 
Uh, not very much cash. We we tend to we have a very good shareholder base, so we tend to raise our money. We know exactly where we're going to spend it, and we know exactly when we're going to run out. And we've been successful in each of our programs to ensure that we, you know, when we run out, we'll continue to raise money. Um, you know, we're hoping always as we improve that we can have some share appreciation so that we can continue at higher prices. Um, that's our that's been our model with our shareholders. Okay, so th this area is quite important to understand because I think you went to raise circa five hundred thousand before Christmas. Was that that was what I, a number I saw in there? You yeah. eventually raised seventy. Took seventy this January. Everyone announcement this January. Is that right? Was that were those things connected? Yeah. So. So the raise that we were doing that was that was five hundred thousand that we were looking to raise in a flow through mm. for our drill program and what I was trying to capture there was some some funds uh, that had some flow through monies out there right um, and as we tested the market we we had some very positive responses of that except a lot of their funds had been used so um, so we and because we're not going to be drilling till June July. Mm. Um, They'll come back in March and April is when the the time. So I was a little premature on trying to get that. Okay. The, the, those monies for the flow through because they're strictly allocated for drilling anyway. They're not used for overhead. They're not used for those. So it was a it was a strategic plan to to see if there was some interest with investors and some new new uh, funds. Understood. Un, un, so flow through timing not quite right. You're going to go back at April May time and. And sort of see if the interest is still there for the drill program. That's correct. Okay, fine. So twenty million bucks spent, nine million bucks market cap today. You mentioned or alluded to earlier on the volatility of the prices within rare earths. They are hugely spiky. Um, tradition have been for a long, long time. So right now you're looking at um, preodymium and neodymium. Is that right? Yeah, our, but our, uh, our resource really it hosts the permanent magnet right. market. Okay. It, it will create 85% of our revenue. And that's somewhat standard in a lot of rare earth mines. Um, we're, we're blessed that, you know, our deposit is, is um, it's hosted in a peralkaline volcanic rock, which mm -hmm. is, is somewhat unique. And because of its volcanic, it's quite fine and it's porous. So our technology, which we'll get into later, is able to get in there and liberate the the elements, and because of the um, the space that we are we are in with our uh, rare earths, we also have a little component of the heavy rare earths also. So yeah. we have a, a nice blend mix of the lights, the neodymium, praseodymium, but also dysposium and terbium, which add value because they're higher they're higher priced elements. Right. So you know, rare equals expensive sometimes, but not always in the rare earth space. Okay. Um, another phrase you used earlier was you've got a district-wide project. You talked, you talked about you know extent. Foxtrot, which had the PEA came out in 2016. Uh, you felt it was good, but needed to be better for the marketplace. So you went after a deep fox, which had better grades. You've extended the scale, the the length, and the width of of the of the strike zone. Um, Help me again with rare earths because I think you know when people when you talk about gold you're talking about district wide and they it's fairly homogenous you know type uh, deposits etc. For rare earths you, you you're actually talking about quite a you're talking about a thirty meter wide um, strike and so how long how long was it? Four hundred meters. Four hundred meters. So it doesn't sound like a lot. I mean I get the high value component, but 
again, investors looking at this, not understanding rare earths as much as you do, would go, well, that's not very big. So it's not uh, very and, exciting, and, is it? Uh, well, it is because it goes down a depth down to 200 meters. Right. So it's not, it's not just, I'm, I'm, ex, I'm explaining the surface and both deposits are open at depth. Foxtrot's open down to 450 meters. Okay. So that's the that's the significance of it is the it will be the what we find is that it's open at depth wherever we drill. Okay. So so again, um, maybe help me with some numbers here because if I, I look at I'm coming back to your market cap, it's not very big. I'm not quite sure. And you spent twenty million bucks. Uh, you've done some exploration. You've got a couple of pilot plants. Um, you're about to build a a hundredth scale one one hundred scale uh sorry what is it a, a, pro, a process? demonstration plant demonstration plant um and that's it that's where you've got to in terms of the process right so can you help me understand the i get the exploration bit and the scale okay. the scale of that but the pilot plants were they yeah were they i mean what sort of scale were the pilot plants are these like lab tests or is it a little bit more, oh, we'll, bigger than I'll that, get into that. Just before we finish off on the resource, mm. um, with our 70 kilometer belt, uh, the Foxtrot and Deep Fox are at the at one end of the district. And Randy has been working on another property called the Fox Meadow. And again, it's early channel samples. But what that's looking like is the width or the um, length could be 650 meters right. by 120 meters. Okay. But th- okay. On surface. So that's really our next. That's that's that just shows the extent of the district being carried through for the seventy kilometers. I guess what I'm so, trying to get, what I'm trying to get get at, Greg, is trying to understand where the value lies given the stage you're at. You know, do, do you know where the value lies given the stage yeah. you're at? Because people aren't giving you value today. Nine million no. bucks is is nothing. It's a it's a small business. So where where you know the exploration hasn't created much value you've done the pilot plants that hasn't created much value what's the thing which is going to get people excited yeah i think i think the couple things that are getting that we hope will get people excited is we look at the deep fox resource announcement in november as really the kickstart of the call it the new search because what that did was take a 14 year life mine of foxtrot with you know not bad economics but the deep fox economics when we run those changes the game significantly for us because it will take us just with the resource down to the 100 meters will make you know allow us to be at least a 25 year life mine as we go down to 200 meters it will extend that so that the multi-generational type play life of mine project in this area is very well supported by both the federal and provincial governments of canada very well supported by our indigenous group that is in our area. They're shareholders of our company mm-hmm. and very supportive of our local communities. So this is an area of focus that um, in Southeast Labrador, the opportunity to really be a leader in the rarer space with the district size that we have um, is really compelling at that level, at all those levels. Okay. When, when do people start giving you value for what you're doing? As I said, nothing so far for exploration. The demo plants haven't done anything for your share price. Where's the bit where people go, ah, now I, now I think I understand what these guys are trying to do? Because you're about, like I said, you're about to build a one in a hundred scale demo plant. Is that going to yeah. move the needle? 
I, I think that that will help move the needle. Um, and part of the process of, of getting the exposure and the, you know, is starting to um, get out there. Like I said, we were sort of the same story up until November. So we are just starting our, uh, let's call it our marketing mm. to let the industry in the world, what the industry knows of us, it's getting the retail investors and getting the institutional investors to really understand what we have and what, what value that deep Fox uh, resource brings to the table as a game changer to our company. That's, mm. that's important because I, just announcing drill holes and this and that isn't very sexy. So you need to, we need to understand, the market needs to understand why is this so sexy and the economics, unfortunately we don't have economics on it at the present time. When we do our economics, that will that will be the indicator of the market going, wow, okay, that, that's what they do have. In terms of our, um, of our processing is very significant in that, again, because we, we, we the technology is our own technology that we developed, patented technology on this. Mm-hmm. We, we've been funded, which is fantastic, which doesn't show up really on our balance sheet, but we've been funded through our three pilot plants, both with the federal government and provincial government to the tune of over $3 million, non-dilutive financing grants. And so, you know, th- that's a very significant um, uh, value that we've been able to bring to the company to, to continue to uh, get to the end game. The end game is, can you make individual oxides that are cost competitive? And that's our model and that's what we're trying to strive for. So you need to have a good resource, which checkmark we believe we do. The technology we need to, we've proved that we have a mixed rare earth concentrate that we've been separating to giving to other refineries and other separations to know that they it can be broken down with certain success on that it's a mixed rare earth concentrate is a proven um, commodity so the magic in our company is that we've been able to separate or build a concentrate from the ore that we have that's the secret sauce to get to the mixed rare earth concentrate once you get there um, you're not reinventing the wheel there's solvent extraction refineries there's um, new technologies. Those are the next steps that we that we need to do. The reason that we need the demonstration plant now, the demonstration plant one 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 hundred scale would be built on site. So that allows us to start training. That allows us to start the community engagement to show the people what we're doing. It allows us to um, ensure that our flow sheet is working fine and tweaking that. It allows us to produce quantities enough so that we can continue um, separating with our, you know, the next steps of separation. And with that would be starting to get into the customers that would start to validate or qualify that the product that's being made out of our our material is suitable for their needs. So again, help me understand because again, the time can kill companies, right? So I want to understand how much more time. I get the uh, search minerals 2.0, okay, from the end of last year, you're going with that, okay? Um, But you've got a whole bunch of shareholders from the 1.0 version who are still gonna wanna know, you know, how you're taking this forward. The new investors coming in also can want to understand how you condense the time frame. You know, it's taking 10 years for phase one, what are we going to do with with 2.0? So the the 100th scale demo plant that suggests there's a much bigger one which will be built based on this scale operation. Is, is that am I understanding that right? That's, that, that's correct. Yeah. Right. Okay. And 
how did that how does the scale demo plant differ from the pilot plant is it significantly different oh uh, definitely the the pilot plant is is run was run at with sgs canada built specifically to run and test and engineer it's it's very costly in terms of having engineers on and scientists you know going through all the processes and it needs to run continuous so both those pilot plants ran over five days process like seven tons of material type of thing uh, to tweak the processing um, flow sheet the demonstration plant would would operate probably you know it could run continuous but you know three to four months at a time you know running through so it's a it's a larger scale you have more people uh, you're, you're training so um, and one thing I'll, I'll talk about the demonstration plan, our goal with the demonstration plan is once again to secure our government funding mm. mechanisms that are in place in Canada and U.S. for that uh, For also. Um, and we, we would expect to, you know, it's close to 70% could be financed with government programs. So our compelling story would be we're going to build a $10 million demonstration plant, seven of it is you know, government funded, let's call it, and three million is for the shareholders. We we feel that that's a value proposition for investors. Okay, okay. Given that, even though three million of it is going to come from you guys, only three million of it is going to come from you guys. That's still hugely dilutive. So you've got to tell people why you need to build this thing because is it going to allow you to go and um, create product which you can give to potential customers to test? to allow you to get forward purchase contracts and therefore allow you to fund the the, the, the full-scale demo plant? I mean, what, what was the point of it? Yeah, and that, that's exactly it. So it, it, it's to be able to show the market that you can build a consistent product mm-hmm. um, that we would then sell to the metal maker, those oxides. And the metal maker, alloy maker, and magnet maker could be the same company, by the way. Um, and what that is, is that validates, and that would be, the, the end goal would be to get an offtake agreement with those customers or purchase orders with those customers because that's the only way this the facility is going to be built. We're not going to build it and hope they come uh, idea. So the significance of that is to continue to show the market that we that we can get to this stage of producing individual oxides at a cost com, you know a, a, a cost competitive pricing to enter into the supply chain. Right. That's that's the end goal. And okay. you need the customers before you can raise them that money to do totally. that. Totally. Okay. So nothing unusual about that. Um, yeah. So if I may come back to timing again, I assuming you're able to go tomorrow and raise the three million bucks for that and the, I don't know, two million bucks of GNA, whatever it takes to keep the lights on. How long will it take for you to get to the point where you can get all the necessary permits, licenses, and build this demonstration plant, this 100th scale demonstration plant, and then produce the product for customers to test? And how long do they need to test it? And at what point do they turn around and go, let's have a, let's have a conversation about a long-term forward contract? What's that yeah. time scale? What are people getting well, into there's here? There's going to be many things happening in that space. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we look to be in production and in best case is four years from now. Okay. Okay. Um, what's going to happen in those four years, there's going to be um, environmental work, which, you know, we're just being honest is probably going to take two years of that. There's a year and a half of just 
you need a year cycle to see what it was in year one and what it became in year two. Uh, we've started that process with our Foxtrot. We've, we've, we're looking now to actually blend our Foxtrot and Deep Fox environmental work together because of their close proximity mm -hmm. so that we can do the baseline studies and, and whatnot. Um, our next steps, so the demonstration plant is sort of an individual, is a process that we need to do. Um, but in, in getting to production is we need the environmental. Um, after that, we would, as the environmental is going through, we've had success with our demo, our demonstration plants probably a year by the time that we get our funding in place. It's not gonna be tomorrow. Um, when you're dealing with government funding, it takes a process of, of getting that through and then it would take you know six to eight months to build. Um, so we would look probably in the early 2021 that that would be something that would be operational. Mm -hmm. And so that's that's an individual process that we need to do. In the background of getting the permitting, environmental, uh, infill drilling, feasibility studies that's the ongoing work and that's three years to um you know of there'll be more infill drilling on the deep fox and the foxtrot when you're getting into a bankable feasibility study at that point before we would engage that is we would expect that we would have those customers or that offtake and and those would be our partners moving forward or at least be able to uh, us to raise funds be in debt equity whatever options are available at that time Okay. Okay. I think I just think it's important for investors to understand where the company is in the in the timeline and whether you know what risk stage it's at. So if they get a sense of where you're at, they can go. Well, some of my portfolio, I'm happy in there, but others, I maybe want to be further along that curve. You know. So I think it's important for companies to spell it out. Yeah, and and we spell it out, and we always look at today's pricing and where we are in the shares and dilution and this mm -hmm. and that. Um, but we also, again, going back to that macro world, things can change overnight that could change the dynamics of the rarer space that obviously, it, like it did back in 2010 when the thing spiked. So we believe that you need to be further along. We've continued to work. Our, our kind of our model, we've done a lot with very little. <laughs> so we've been able, we've been able to uh, produce, getting to that that concentrate level with what we've been able to do is very significant because it, when you're looking at risk profile, we look at our resource, not so much risk. It's going to be simple mining. It's going to be open pit mining. It will probably be contracted mining. It would probably be um, done uh, six months of the year and stockpile so that they're not mining, you know, in the winter months, um, you know, because, you know, our, our production rates aren't huge. So, our tech, we've, we've started this process of being small and growing to the market. So we have a small capital cost, which we believe is financeable at 150 some million dollars. Mm -hmm. That's operating at a thousand tons per day and creating enough product, 3,200 tons annually of product. We believe that's small and scalable and gets us in the game. If the market dimensions change and the dynamics change, our technology is scalable, our production is scalable, we we can we can move to to increase that. So we looked at we looked at we we can't have a high capital cost project that needs a high output to finance that. We started be small and grow, and that's what we're we're proving as our as our, our model moving forward. Deep Fox allows us to add more material to increase some of our production without significantly increasing our capital costs.
Right, okay. That seems a reasonable position to take. You know, other people might, you know, do it differently, but, you know, if you're very clear about what you want to do. But because you've been out at 10 years, you've got 228 million shares outstanding, which is quite a lot for a market cap your size. Do you think that's putting people off when you're telling this story to them? And do you think it's stopping certain types of institutional or strategic investors getting involved with you? We have a very good shareholder base. We have a large insider participation of 30, 40%. Incor uh, out of Geneva owns 32 plus with some Who are they? Uh, ventures. Um, we have a very strong Newfoundland Labrador shareholder base. So, um, you know, when we look at our shares and where we're at is, you know, it's it's been those sort of the same prices, but we we believe that everybody most most from 2014 are in at these prices. So, you know, f- we haven't spiked up, we haven't spiked low. So it had we haven't really given a person a reason to sell, maybe except for fatigue. Um, but like I said, we're you know we we've been going to our fundraising has really been to the same people, the rights offering and our shareholders. So we're looking now to expand that shareholder base. And we believe that we have a compelling enough story of where we're at and what we have and our, you know, our market, our market cap is what I look at. I mean, yes, there's a lot of shares out, but are we a $10 million valuation? I think we're a lot more than that. And that's what we have to tell the market. Okay, so if you might, so who is Incore? Incore is a, uh, investment fund out of Geneva. They they invest in commodities, um, cert, certain commodities, uh, and they look for a technology edge to 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 bring those properties of value. So they they have a you know a lead mine in Australia, for example, that mm-hmm. used a technology that was able to put that mine back in production. So that they kind of lead with that. With um, you know, is there a technology? advantages that we can use that can make a resource um, uh, doable. And that's really why they invested in search also, because our technology allows us to be that low capital operating cost because our flow sheet has, um, t- what was compelling for the government is why they invested is our flow sheet took out four processes that cause process and technology risk. We don't do grinding, flotation, magnetic or gravity separation. All those processes eliminates that risk and cost and space and development time. So that that was very key of why we're able to drive our our capital cost down is because of the simplicity of our technology. So it's not a complex technology. It's very simplistic. No, I, I, get, I get that. And it's well documented in, in, in your presentation. The, the, the question I'm asking, and I need to understand, again, for new investors coming in, it's, a, it's around um, the the share register, okay, you've got some people, you just said, been in this since 2014 at a similar price to today, and they're still with you. But to me, that they're still with you because they can't get out and not lose money, right? So if they start selling, it's it's going to drive the price down because it won't take much given your liquidity. So how do you, and this comes back to the earlier question, which is how do you show where the value is going to come for your existing shareholders and new shareholders coming in where they can sort of see some growth and will stay with you because there's a you could look at it and say there's a massive overhang on your shares because people who've been in this for six years have not made a penny could have made a fortune in i don't know can- cannabis and pharmaceuticals and bitcoin since then you know have been yeah. static right so they're going to be kicking themselves and thinking well maybe I, I could have done something else so 
how do you, where what is the thing that shows them this company's going places i think that's the one question i, I would like yeah. to understand from this interview i think what we show the show our shareholders is all the steps that we're doing very sequential very well planned out and knock on wood we've we've hit what we've been trying to do Right. The market itself is something, you know, the mining stocks haven't been in, in favor, as you know, rare earths haven't been in favor for sure. Um, so so we, we, we face those headwinds and we could have stopped working in 2016 and just said, you know what, we're going to wait for the rare earth market to come again. Well, we did that in 2010. We entered it at the peak. Like a lot of companies do in this commodities of you know even using lithium and cobalt and come up with the plans of where they're going to be assuming these rare earth prices are going to last forever and they never do so we're looking at our project we needed we knew and the governments knew that we needed to continue to work and get these demonstration get these pilot plants show the market we can do the oxides so that was the belief of our shareholders saying wow, these guys are getting support from the government. The government's supporting them when no one else will. And they need to be here because we believe the tailwinds are behind us of, where, of what we're moving into. And if we, if we didn't do these pilot plants, we would just be another three years. I'd be sitting here saying we're seven years away because we need to do pilot plant testing. We need to show that we can make a concentrate. Well, we've done that. And so now we can talk to the separators in 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 real terms because we can actually give them product as opposed to the what if game so that's our value proposition of where we continue to work when not many were we were drilling our deep fox because we felt that we needed to show when it comes up and the supply and demands of the permanent magnets would need to show the magnitude of our deposit as opposed to just foxtrot there's other deposits that have a longer life than we had we needed to show that this is a multi-generational play and deep fox gave us that gave us will give us that material to show that so our compelling reason for our shareholders of why they believe in it is because we continue to advance our project it's not showing in our share price but it's certainly showing in the things that we've been able to accomplish okay you still buying shares yeah we i participate when we do our rights offerings and our private placements and everything and 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 same with most of our you know some shareholders still continue i mean it's the same group I, it's almost like friends and family sort of financing mm. in what we've been doing here okay and and your gna i mean what do you what's your burn rate each month we have a very low burn burn rate we're we're no more than sixty thousand a month of um you know th those costs so so we look at that as a very low burn rate i mean we're we're starting to work in you know, sort of our white paper stuff now is, we, you know, we're engaging our engineering study to now do the recosting of our processing facility because um, the number in our PA is 2016 numbers. Well, subsequent to that, we did two pilot plants that have reduced uh, changes in our flow sheet, which are going to reduce costs. Hmm. We've been able to increase recoveries. So our uh, from a PEA point of view, our PEA has has value added to it from our testing which isn't being shown up in our economics of using that foxtrot pea um, so what we will look at is do a, another processing facility update of our capital and mm -hmm. operating costs using our, our successes of our two pilot plant and from that scale down to the one 100 scale um, cost of our demonstration plant so that we can go get that funded and 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 built 
Okay. And do you think you are going to, I mean, I've seen the press releases. Um, they're very functional press releases. Are you going to do more talking to your investors going forward? Now you know what you need to do to tell people or you know what you need to do and what you need to say to people in terms of where the value is coming from. Yeah, um, I, I really do. And, and one of the focuses, you know, I've been involved in the government talks with the Canadian government and understanding the task force and and really what's moving forward and how how rare earths really fit into the North American rare earth supply chain. But more importantly, what what is the importance of having rare earth supply chain in North America? What are the jobs it's going to create? Is it the auto industry, the permanent magnets industry? What the military in the U.S. is a concern? Those are the those are the drivers that are, are working. There's actually monies coming into the rare earth space because of that. They need to. They, um, the government's realized that it's very difficult for a company like us to fund with certain investors. You're, to your point of your question is, where's the value here? Um, but the government see the value and, and, and we're a strategic um, material. And that's what's really starting to come to fruition here. So we start to look at what also is, we're more than a mining story. Like the, you know, what is the impact? The mining part of our story is, I think, fairly simplistic of that we, we're starting to show that we can build the oxide. It's what you do with the oxide and what is the uh, drivers in that? What is, what is the importance that we have a mine in Canada that can supply these oxides? And what are the industries it can affect? When you look at the automotive industry, for example, in Europe even, is very concerning because as they move from internal combustion vehicles to electric vehicles, based on the mandates and their their news disclosure of how much they're going to spend in the billions to convert, it's very significant to understand where's the source of the raw, the rare earth material going to come from. If it if it's all coming from Asia, well, that takes apart a, wit, a lot of the um, value chain in those communities because they have an intense supply chain to, to build their internal combustion cars already. Same with Canada and US. So it's a very, we're, as a rare earth company, these are the level of discussions that we have, which is kind of unique for a mining company that we have to talk about why we're more than a mining story and how we're going to help uh, industry or um, uh, an economy grow. Okay, well, uh, Greg, that's a really good first introduction to your company and just helping people understand rare express. As I said at the beginning, not many people understand it. Sounds very complicated. Uh, and they, there are easier things to invest in. But would you be happy to write uh, something uh, about the supply chain for our viewers? And we can put that on the website and give them access to that. Absolutely. And because it, it is key to understand the complexity of it and where a company fits in. Hmm. Um, well, in that supply chain, and really knowing where you fit in. It doesn't do me any good to phone up uh, OEM to say, hey, I have rare earths, because they'll say, oh, phone my motor maker. Yeah, exactly. Well, look, I'd appreciate it if, if you were able to help us with that and help help our audience understand it a little bit better. That'd be brilliant. Greg, thanks for your time today. Uh, lovely to uh, hear your stories, I say, and do stay in touch and let us know how you're getting on. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast? or our website, cruxinvestor.com, and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming, and we'll speak to you again soon.